What's up guys, Rick here with your DFS preview for this week's Hero World Challenge. That's right, a 20-man field in an event hosted by Tiger Woods, and it is star-studded. No cut to deal with this week. We'll talk more about that in just one second. However, I have to announce something new, something interesting here. I tweeted this out just a bit ago, so for those of you who follow me on Twitter, you already know this, but otherwise... I have indeed been accepted into the Twitter Spaces Spark program. It's essentially a program put on by Twitter to help kind of curate and create new Twitter spaces. If you're unfamiliar with what a Twitter space is, I don't really know how to describe it. It's like an audio chat room on Twitter. So I go on there and I can talk about anything that I want and you can also join in on the conversation. I can bring you up on stage and you can ask a question or make a comment. It's very interactive. I I quite enjoy them. So I'm going to be hosting two Twitter spaces every week for the next three months. That's the deal. Maybe longer. Who knows? We'll see how it goes. But I've got the first two lined up and they are this weekend. So on Saturday at 6 p.m. Eastern time, Andy Lack and I are going to go through kind of hero world challenge update. We're going to power rank uh, golfers based on some silly things. It's just going to be a, a good time and you're more than welcome to join in on the conversation. And then the following day, Sunday, 3 p.m. Eastern time. That's Sia Najad. We're going to do essentially the final hour of the Hero World Challenge watch party. That's right. We're just going to hang. We're going to see what happens. Sia's a good guy. I always enjoy chatting with him, and we're going to see how this goes. So uh, I've pinned that tweet uh, to my Twitter profile, at Rick Run Good. You can go see more information about it, but uh, please support me in this endeavor. I think it'll be really cool, and it'll be really interactive along the way. Uh, Additional announcements, and I'll go through these quickly. There are... Of course, two live chats this week, 3 p.m. Eastern, uh, right here on the Rick Run Good YouTube channel. That is your Hero World Challenge live chat, question, answer, whatever you want to talk about. And then 8.15 p.m. Eastern time, uh, that is the Jock Market Power Hour, so a 20-person field in the Jock Market, Stock Market DFS. That's going to be exciting, so looking forward to that. And then finally, and I promise this is it, um, everything that you see, from here on out will be from my website, rickrungood.com. If you sign up, I think you'll enjoy it. Otherwise, you can win a subscription to rickrungood.com. There are two ways to enter that draw. Number one, like this video. Make sure you're subscribed and comment below with who you think is going to win the Hero World Challenge. Way number two, the easier way to win, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a five-star rating and review on the podcast version of the show. Say something nice, leave me your Twitter handle. That will get you in the draw as well. You do them both. You double your chances. I think that's it. 20 golfers. Let's get into it. The course, Albany. That's its name, official name, Albany. Not Albany Country Club, not Albany Golf Club. Actually, uh, quite quite confusing uh, if you ask me, but we are in the Bahamas. This is Tiger's event. Tiger obviously not playing this week, but after seeing his swing uh, from, from last week on Twitter, I, I assume we're going to see him there, right? He's the host. I assume he's going to be there. We shall wait and see, but this is... Uh, of course, as you can imagine, on the island, an, uh, an oceanside course, there is a lot of sand. If you miss uh, the fairway, it's a par 72, and the greens are a little bit smaller than tour average, about 4,500 square feet on average. Um, the, the tour average is, is, is probably closer to 5,000, so a little bit smaller. And with Bermuda grass throughout, you'll want to use that for your putting metrics. A very interesting Uh, course model for this week because what you'll see is that the most highly correlated stat is around the green 
What does that mean? It doesn't mean that you need to get up and down to make par to win the Hero World Challenge. It just means that players with really good short games have, over the years, uh, correlated to success at this event. That's all that it means. So I'll show you who the better around the green players are here in just one second, but it's also worth noting, this is a no-cut event. Uh, the round one pairings and tee times are already out. I've tweeted them out. It's fascinating stuff. They'll reset those after each and every single round, and it should go pretty quickly with only 20 golfers out on the course at any given time or at all times. So it should be a lot of fun, uh, and we're looking for birdie makers. You know, since this event move to Albany, you are looking at basically uh, 19 and a half, 20 under par. That's been the winning score around here. So you're probably going to need something close to that unless the wind really kicks up. Let's scroll down here on the model. And if we just look at the best players, like, uh, you know, we could just do best players for this course. So this is the adjusted fit model. Essentially, this takes the calculations from the top, what's been the most important. It looks at whatever number of rounds you put in, in this case, 16 rounds. And it says, who's the best player in those 16 rounds that should fit this course? Sam Burns is number one, Roy McIlroy, number two, Webb Simpson, number three. If you want to go with the short game, the around the green stuff, another familiar name, Webb Simpson pops up. Scotty Scheffler's number two. Terrell Hatton is number three. So uh, just to kind of get an idea of what you're looking at for this week, but let's go over to the cheat sheet here. And I'll tell you what, there's only 20 golfers in the field. Do we just talk about every single one of them? Is that what we do? We just spend like a minute on each one, something like that. I don't know if I can limit myself to a minute. So maybe we'll go quicker on some of these guys, but Rory McIlroy victory at the CJ cup. And then a disappointing T six in his uh, most recent event, which was in Dubai. So he almost went back to back in victories, but struggled on Sunday. T6, as I mentioned. So now three of his last four starts have been a fourth place finish, a win at the CJ Cup, and a T6 in Dubai. Uh, what I know about Roy McElroy is this is a really good trend. You can see the driver. He's gained four or more strokes off the tee in three of his last five measured starts, that is him leaning into his weapon. Yes, I'm concerned about the approach play, but the putter's been really, really good. So this is kind of a different version of Rory that we're seeing right now. I think peak Rory would be kind of driver, hit your wedges better than he's hitting them right now and make enough putts. The version we're seeing right now is really good with the driver again, battling the approach play, but believe it or not, the putting in the short game is saving him. Not something that we've seen over the years. So I still believe there's reasons to be optimistic about Rory McIlroy. Hasn't played since 2014 when he finished 11th. So it's been a while, not a lot of history to deal with there. Uh, Colin Morikawa, he's up next, $10,600. Morikawa is... Uh, obviously dialed, right? So what we're seeing, and I've, I've tweeted this, I've said this countless times, um, he, he's just, he might be the best player on the planet, right? I know John Rahm is, is here on, on, on this earth, but Tom Morikawa might be the best player on the planet. His floor is so incredibly high with the approach play. He is statistically not a very good putter, but he has said it countless times, and we have seen it in action, that when it gets down to the nitty-gritty, he feels like he can make putts, and when he does make putts, he contends. Uh, he, he just wins everything. He wins everything. It's it's really incredible stuff here. So um, he's also go, he's going to be making his debut at this event. Again, not statistically very good on Bermuda, but he's going to be able to fire away. If you're looking at uh, the, the 10K range, you're certainly not going to be able to go wrong with Rory. You're certainly not going to be able to go wrong with Colin Morikawa. However, I'm a bit partial 
to Justin Thomas, who is 10,200. He is the cheapest of the $10,000 guys, and he might end up being the most popular. This is something that we'll have to take a deep, uh, a deep look at on Wednesday, because you have to remember, there's only 20 players in this field. It's even tighter than the tour championship. The tour championship, every single lineup has um, what 20% of the field in it, six out of 30 guys here. You basically have a third of the entire field in your lineups, uh, in every single one of them. So it's, it's a really weird dynamic. You're going to probably have to have the exact like optimal lineup to try to win this thing. Leaving money on the table is going to be more important than others. There's going to be a lot of duplicates. Ownership will be critical. So you'll want to be here on, on Wednesday afternoon, as we kind of look through all of that. But here's what I see when I, when I look at Justin Thomas and JT is generally a guy who foreshadows. And what I, what I mean by that is you start to see the trends, right? It was why we were so heavy on him at the players championship. When he won, he was just phenomenal from T to green. He had lost the driver a little bit the week before, but that, you know, the start before that wasn't going to happen again. He, he tends to foreshadow this and we're seeing it right now. It feels like a win is imminent. He has gained at least multiple strokes on approach in six consecutive measured starts. The last time we saw him, Mayakoba finished third there, fourth at the Tour Championship, T4 at the Northern Trust. These are all in his last five starts. We're seeing the blueprint of Justin Thomas again. Phenomenal T to green, really good on approach. Uh, okay, small positive off the tee, and then a kind of an erratic putter that can get hot at times. So his last four starts with the putter, plus four and a half minus two, plus two and a half minus three. Um, that's the DNA. We're close to a Justin Thomas victory. Maybe it's this week. Maybe it's a no-cut event. You know, historically, if you go over to the Holy Grail and we just search everybody in this field uh, by no-cut events, you're going to start to see who really succeeds here. Uh, Roy McElroy, number one. Uh, 1.68 strokes gained per round over 104 rounds. JT, Justin Thomas, number two. 136. He's played 32 more rounds than Rory has, and he's at 1.52, which is only, what, 16 hundredths, right? 0.16 uh, strokes per round behind Rory McIlroy. So it's, it's a really impressive uh, uh, feat that he's able to accomplish over a very, very large sample size. So JT um, seemingly poised for victory here in the short term. Victor Hovland is next. He's one of only two golfers in the $9,000 range. He's 9,900. I am certainly uh, going to bet Victor Hovland as I do each and every week. You know, he was originally scheduled to play the event in Dubai. The DP World Tour Championship did not play that. Should be well-rested, ready to rock and roll leading into this one. And I, I don't know how I can continue to demonstrate how good Victor Hovland has been. Um, let me try to do it this way. So I'm going to go, I'm going to remove my no cut filter and I'm just going to go for the last two seasons. So the start of 2022, that's the season that just started. We're like seven or eight events in and then all of the 2021 season. When you look at ball striking, um, which is off the tee plus approach, Bryson DeChambeau is number one. He does the vast majority of that work with the driver, as you can imagine. Colin Morikawa is number two. And Victor Hovland is number three. Now, the note about that is Hovland has more rounds than Morikawa and Bryson DeChambeau. So you could argue he's number one, right? Because you could say no one has done what he's done in that number of rounds. If Morikawa plays 14 more rounds and continues to do what he's doing, he'll be number one. But you could argue that Victor is number one right now. And 
what I think is even more impressive is that um, his off the tee and his approach play is fairly close. You know, 0.7 off the tee, 0.54 on approach. That is such a solid baseline. When you are able to take arguably the two most important facets of the game, be really, really good at both of them, you've created yourself a really high floor. And then when you putt well, um, you win the golf tournament. And that's what we've seen from Victor already in his young career. Uh, you know, he's he's going to be just fine each and every week. You're not going to see me uh, bet against him. Bryson DeChambeau, 9,300. I think what we all saw at the... Uh, the match with Bryson is a little bit of what you get yourself into. Bryson is an incredibly volatile golfer, um, and that is by design. When he is a little bit off, he's a lot off. He, If he is missing fairways like he was at the win, he's going to be playing out of a lot of sand. You're going to be kind of at the mercy of the lies that you get. I, I don't want to say this is... Uh, an exact copy of what happens when you're at like Palmetto or even like Kiowa, right? Which is like, if you're not in the fairway, you're just kind of at the mercy of the draw when it comes to the lie that you're going to get in the sand. And sometimes there's, there's little, you know, plants or whatever in there. You can kind of get in trouble. Um, if he starts to spray it around here, I'm going to be, I'm going to be really, really concerned. He did not putt well uh, uh, actually during that match, but I will tell you uh, the reports from his practice rounds uh, were, were much better. So, so Bryson played multiple rounds, obviously at the win uh, during uh, last week. And um, I know that he was like seven under par the day before the match. Uh, it was just, he was making everything. So take it for what it's worth. We saw nine holes of him playing with Bryce or with Brooks Kepka with, with, you know, somebody talking in his ear the whole time. I'm probably more optimistic about Bryson this week, but I do understand that he is incredibly volatile. And if that driver, if he loses the accuracy with that driver, he's going to be in fairly big trouble, I would imagine. Now look at the riches that we have in the eighty in the eight thousand dollar range. Look at these names: Xander Shoffley, Jordan Spieth, Scotty Scheffler. Uh, Xander, if I still have that filter up, which I believe I do. Oh, I don't. So I'll just go back to this this no cut filter that I was running because uh, Xander uh, also has been just phenomenal in no cut events. So here's here's the top four as I already mentioned: McElroy, JT. Uh, Burns is number three, but he only has 16 rounds. Xander Shoffley is number four. And you look, if you click into this and kind of see his results in these no cut events, I mean, it's, it's phenomenal stuff. It's, it's multiple victories. Uh, it's, it's contending quite a bit. He is solid across the board in terms of the strokes gain categories. He's never really going to get you in trouble. I would argue he's probably the golfer with one of the uh, highest floors in this event. I know he's been working hard and I think, I also think we're kind of getting to a point. So not to, you know, completely derail this, but there is certainly a sense of um, motivation that some guys will lack this week. And this could be very easily treated as an end of the year vacation. You go to the Bahamas, you get to mix it up. There's no cut. You're guaranteed like a hundred grand. No big deal. You're going to, you know, it's, it's going to be low key. Some guys come in with a lot of motivation just because they're, they're kind of self-motivated. And I think Xander's one of those guys. I think we're starting to get to the point where the rumblings around Xander, even with the win at the Ryder Cup, even with the win at the Olympics, it's like he needs to win more. He needs to win more in these PGA Tour events. And I think, I think we're all starting to hear that. I think this would be a great spot for Xander. Jordan Spieth. 
Uh, let me point out something at Jordan Spieth, who's $8,300 I'm a little bit worried about. And uh, we've got Spieth baby swag this week. Congrats to him and his, and his wife, Sammy Spieth. Uh, has entered into the world. Congratulations to the Spieths. Uh, but but baby swag aside, here's what I'm worried about with Jordan. Uh, that is one, two, three, four out of his last five measured events, he has lost strokes on approach. That is a big concern because the really good stretch of golf that we got from Jordan Spieth in which we all declared him back was not the driver, was not the putter, was not the short game magic. It was led by the approach play. He was basically the best player in the world. Let me see if I can demonstrate this to you. So since February 7th to the U.S. Open, so February 7th to June 20th, February 7th, so I'll do the 6th, to June 20th, so I'll do the 21st just so I make sure that I get those in there. Let me see if I can do this. I think I did that right. Oh, and I've got to get rid of my no cut filter, which I believe I have on. Yes. Now this makes more sense. Okay. Yeah. Here we go. In that time frame, the number one approach player in the world, no surprise, Colin Morikawa, or I shouldn't say in the world, in this field, but that's still pretty good. Number two, Jordan Spieth. That's the key. That was the key that unlocked Jordan Spieth. And now we're not seeing it. And I'm, I'm very concerned. I mean, scroll back and look at the period before, uh, where he was really struggling. Before this great recent stretch, what's the what's the difference? Bad approach play. Scroll down, go down even further. Go to back when he was the best player in the world. What was the difference? Approach play. That that's that is, it's the key, and I'm worried about it this week. Uh, Scotty Scheffler. That was way more than a minute. I know. Scotty Scheffler, seventy eight hundred dollars. Um, Scotty's been great. You know, I think that people will look at. Um, We'll look at at his recent run. I think he'll be he'll be uh, popular. Uh, but a T57 at the RSM Classic, in which he lost strokes on approach, I'm not that worried about that, especially because guys were, you know, it was it was all over the place, right? They had to finish rounds different days. It was just kind of a a, a weird a weird event, wasn't it? And um, the was that the RSM Classic they had to finish different days? No, it was that was the week before. My bad. Disregard that comment about about the RSM Classic. Uh, but I still think Scotty. Is going to continue to play well. Um, I've got I've got really nothing to say. I think he's fairly priced. Sam Burns might not be fairly priced. <laughs> Sam Burns again. Let me just let me just beat the drum here. Sam Burns is on the verge of just an absolute breakout year. All the metrics are amazing. The results are there. Uh, he's awesome on Bermuda. Here are his last. How far do you want to go back? WGC FedEx St Jude. Okay, runner up there. 21st, 8th, 18th at the Tour Championship. That's with the staggered start. Then he won. Then this season, he won, finished 14th, finished 5th, finished 7th. I mean, he's a machine. He's an absolute machine. He's going to be probably the highest-owned golfer on the slate because he's $7,500. Everybody knows the upside that he has. He makes a ton of birdies. He's He will be – oh, man, I'm going to go on record here. He's going to be a top-10 player this year at some point. I, I really just think he is – that good. He's on that type of trajectory. Abraham answer 7,300 yards. So let's look at Abe because, um, you know, when you start to get a course that is 7,300 yards, even though it's a par 72, let's see how he does on those. So I'm going to clear this out and I'm going to go with, um, let's just go like 7,300 yards or longer and par 72s and just kind of get an idea for what answer has done in these type of, he has 88 rounds 
played in these events. He's done okay. Uh, actually, his average is really brought down by basically 2015 to 2019. So if you're watching on YouTube, a lot of missed cuts in that period. More recently, uh, he's been a, a steady top 25 player in these types of situations. So don't let the longer term stuff fool you. This actually makes me a bit more bullish on Abraham answer, but I just think he's going to be awkwardly priced. He's probably going to be like your pivot play of the week, right? Because everybody's going to go to Sam Burns or you can drop down and get Daniel Berger or Tony Finau for even cheaper or Brooks Kepka for that matter. So I just feel like answers probably that odd man out. We'll know for sure on Wednesday, Daniel Berger. What has Daniel Berger been up to? When's the last time we saw him? Has he played it all this season? No. We are getting the debut of Daniel Berger. Now, this is kind of interesting because um, j- there used to be a couple of things that kept ownership down uh, years ago in DFS. It used to always be, if a guy missed the cut the week before, he was toxic the next week. We have we we as, as users have gotten better at, at fixing that. Um, The other one is the long layoff. We have not seen Daniel Berger in nearly three months, the tour championship, the first week of September. We have not seen him. That is generally something that keeps ownership down. He has gained strokes on approach in every single event dating back to his victory in February at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. That is impressive stuff. How does he do on Bermuda? He's okay on Bermuda right? It's not his worst surface. He's a positive putter on it. I would love to see what this ownership checks in at. He's not a debutante. He's played this event before. We're going to keep a close eye on DB this week. Tony Finau, another guy that really kind of concerns me. Runner-up finish in 19, uh, a 10th place finish in 20. Remember, they did not play this event last year, which would have been the 2021 edition. So don't let that confuse you. This event has not been played since, uh, December of 2019. Here's Tony Finau, and here's what I'm worried about. So since his win at the Northern Trust, he's been kind of bad with the putter. Uh, And it's resulted in in a miscut in Houston, a 45th at the CJ Cup. There was no cut there. 45th at Mayakoba. He's losing over 12 strokes putting over the course of those three measured events. And, And that is generally... Uh, not a very good sign for Tony. You know, sometimes he gets stuck in these ruts of, of not being able to putt well. And if he can't putt himself out of a paper bag, it's, 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 going, to be, it's going to be quite difficult. And by the way, um, Bermuda is by far his, his worst putting surface. Next up is Brooks Kepka. Yeah, here's going to be another popular guy. Again, what's, what's our perception right now? Our perception is Brooks Kepka just beat the crap out of Bryson DeChambeau on national television with everyone watching. It's almost like, you know, you, you take this to a, a football analogy. Oh, you just watch that team get blown out on Monday night football. That's going to affect the line. $6,800 from Brooks Kepka feels wrong. Feels terribly wrong. Um, I'm, this is weird. I'm like probably a five or six out of 10 in terms of excitement on Brooks Kepka at this price. But I imagine that's still going to be lower than most people. Most people are going to plug and play Brooks Kepka, lock and load. Uh, the argument, and, and, and I get it, right? The upside's there, no problem. The argument against Brooks still hasn't played all that well, right? Mayakoba missed the cut. Houston missed the cut. The match, Brooks was way better than Bryson was. But was Brooks good? Uh, he was, Brooks was really good for two and a half holes. And he was okay for like the other six and a half. And it was over because Bryson was horrible. Um, 
there were only probably four good shots hit in the entire match. Brooks had all of them. So, but that's four shots in nine holes. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I'm, I'm still trying to reconcile what I saw at the match. Um, Brooks will be popular. This is probably a place I'll find a pivot. And I could be convinced on that. So if you have a really compelling case, uh, I, could be, I could be convinced on that. Um, next up is Webb Simpson. I'm, I'm on the record already this year saying I'm expecting big things out of Webb Simpson uh, after a really, really weird season. Last year, he gets off to a really good start at the RSM Classic, a place that he's been phenomenal, so no surprise there. He gains nine strokes on approach. This is the type of stat line you want to see from Webb Simpson. He popped up on the course key stats uh, in basically in, in I, a, any way that we wanted to to slice that. So Webb, certainly a really good pivot from Brooks Kepka. I also think Matt Fitzpatrick is as well. Matt Fitzpatrick has played 24 events uh, worldwide this year, he has eight top 10 finishes. So a third of his events worldwide, he has a top 10 finish and they're not like scrubby fields either. Now he wins the Andalusia masters. That's a European tour event, finishes runner up at the DP world tour championship, a stacked European tour event, uh, but finished, let's see, ninth at the players, 10th at the Arnold Palmer Invitational, uh, 11th at a WGC event. I mean, this is no, this isn't like scrubby stuff, right? This is a, a pretty decent stretch of golf that he's played this year. He is super, to me, super undervalued at 6,600. Terrell Hatton, 65, has proven to be an incredibly volatile golfer. So if that's what you're looking for in this range, Hatton is here. Uh, I think he'll go as far as his kind of approach play allows him to. That's kind of a very volatile part of his game. And you can see in his last 12 starts, uh, he has six top 20s and five missed cuts. I mean, it's, it's really that type of volatility. I think it'll come down to the approach play, the irons, the wedges. If he can find success there, I think he finds success at this event, but he is in no way a consistent or a safe play. Arguably the most mispriced guy on the slate is Patrick Reed. He's $6,400. The recent form has not been good. Um, he did pop though for the T2 at the, um, uh, Bermuda, I believe it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, but otherwise has not been good at all. The advanced metrics for the measured events, horrendous. But we've seen a guy with win equity pop. Uh, we've seen him. He's been he's been lights out at this event, right? Uh, last four years, 3rd, 11th, 5th, and 10th. Remember he had that little rules incident last time we were here that cost him a... I believe, it, I believe that cost him getting into a playoff uh, for... Uh, for the the addition that Henrik Stenson would go on to win, so this is Reed's going to be he's going to be popular. Sixty four hundred dollars, he makes a lot of lineups uh, make sense. Harris English is sixty two. It's been a struggle for Harris, right? Um, has missed a couple of cuts in a row. He had to withdraw from. Ooh, what event did he withdraw from? The CJ Cup, right? That was a no-cut event. Missed the cut at the RSM Classic, which was a little bit surprising. So I'll tread lightly with Harris English. Again, he's another one of these guys that tends to foreshadow his successes. So if I'm not seeing him roll towards um, really good form, it's kind of hard to, to buy in there. Justin Rose, you're going to hear the narrative this week around the uh, the fact that he lives or at least has a place in the Bahamas. He plays out of Albany all the time. The results are phenomenal. Three consecutive top five finishes. And you guys know that I'm generally not a Justin Rose guy, but here at 6,100 on a course that he's very, very familiar with and coming off a really good, well-rounded T12 at the RSM. 
I could buy this week. So, so remember when I've been very, very pessimistic on Justin Rose, it's been for a couple of reasons. He, at some points this summer, was riding a unsustainably hot putter. And it did come back to earth, which is great. But he's also cleaned up the rest of his game. He's driving it a little better. He's hitting his irons a little bit better. He gained strokes across the board at the RSM Classic. His last three measured events, he's gained strokes on uh, on the putting surfaces, but not a huge number. These are all very exciting things if you're a Justin Rose backer, especially at the near min price. Which brings us to the guy at the min price, Henrik Stenson. Uh, a flat 6,000, which is... Um, I think I'm maybe a little bit more bullish than most. So he missed the cut at the Houston Open, missed the cut at Mayakoba. But you go back and you look at some of his starts right before then, at the end of the European Tour season, or not the end of the season, but the end of kind of like into September. Fourth in Czech Republic at the Czech Masters. Third at the Omega European Masters. A T15 at the Italian Open. And then a very uh, stacked field, the BMW PGA Championship. He finished T30 there. Bermuda is his best putting surface. Um, It's the only one he actually gains on. So while I'm not super excited to roster Henrik Stenson, and I may be only a three and a half or a four out of 10, I think that might be more than most. Most people might be a one or a two out of 10 on Henrik Stenson. So uh, we'll see how that shapes up into actual builds. But uh, it's not only the win last year, right? Finished fourth two years ago, or actually, sorry, It's not just the win two years ago, finished fourth three years ago, finished runner-up five years ago. So he's had some good success at this course as well. So might be worth a little bit of lightning in a bottle. Every player, how about that? That's fun. Let's run a model. So this is the Rick Run Good custom model. Um, I'm going to try to keep this pretty tight. I've got all the, you know, the European tour stuff loaded. Let's do 16 rounds. Uh, Let's do, oh boy. Okay. So I'm going to give a nod to the around the green uh, from the model. I will also heavily rely on approach plays, a little smaller than average greens. Um, so that's 25 on approach, 20 around the green. Let's do 25 on birdie or better. You're going to have to make them. It's a no-cut event. It's all about fantasy scoring. Let's go. And then that leaves me with what? Uh, 30. Let's do, let's do 30 off the tee. I mean, I really do think this is a ball strike, a ball striker's paradise. I know what the key stats model says, um, and we're giving it a little bit of a nod. So I've got a, a, a heavily weighted ball striking kind of strokes gained total with no input on putting outside the fact that birdie or better could sometimes lead uh, to putters as well who pile it up. My number one golfer is, well, hold on. Let me get my, my sorting straight here. My number one golfer is... The suspense is killing me. Oh my God, Sam Burns. Yeah, no surprise. And he's 7,500. Number two, Justin Thomas. Number three, Webb Simpson, who continues to pop up on nearly every model that I run. Victor, number four. Yeah, baby. And that's even with, look at how bad he's been around the green, losing nearly nine-tenths of a stroke per round. Still, even me weighing that, he shows up fourth. Rory is five. Bryson is six. Finau, seven. Scotty, eight. Berger, nine. What is, what's the biggest surprise here? Oh, it's Morikawa. That Morikawa is 13. Yeah. He hasn't been as good off the tee. He hasn't been as good as he normally... See, the problem is when you do... Um, 
Yeah, that's a problem. So when you break it down by the individual strokes gained statistics, he doesn't get credit for the European Tour stuff. So if we just did strokes gained total, he would probably be a lot better. So know the um, know the flaws in in the numbers that you're putting in, um, which is always noteworthy. So burn. So who do I need to do homework on? I need to figure out what I'm going to do with Tony Fee now, because that could be a concern for me. Uh, and Daniel Berger. Those two I think are are kind of I don't want to say slate breakers, but they could be they could be quite interesting. Okay. Tweet me at Rick Rungood. Come join the Twitter spaces this weekend. Get involved. Be interactive. Ask your questions. Make your comments. All good there. Uh, Otherwise, uh, I hope you guys have a great week, and I'll talk to you soon.